You're listening to the Vendo Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Vendo Podcast. I'm your host, Darren Saul, and today we have a very special interview with the CEO of Elevate Brands, Ryan Neeson. Elevate Brands is one of the premier Amazon aggregators in the space today, and they recently closed on a $55 million round of funding to help acquire and scale Amazon businesses. Uh, most of our audience isn't familiar with the aggregator business model, but we're going to change that today uh, by talking with Ryan about how it all works. So, Ryan, how's it? Welcome. How's it? Exactly. <laughs> nice Fellow South African. I love it. it. There you go. Well, it's been a while. I mean, I left there in 96, so it's been a while, but the accent has kind of held. So there you go. Yeah, I always say I changed my accent so everyone could understand what I'm saying here in America. So there you go. <laughs> exactly. But absolutely. Why, why don't you give us a little bit of background on yourself and Elevate Brands? Yeah, sure. I mean, I, I grew up in South Africa until I left. I lived there till I was 14. And, uh, and then I spent 10 years in Sydney. And then out of Sydney, I got a job with a commodity, the, uh, the world's largest commodities trading company. It's called Glencore. So I was based in Switzerland for a year at the head office. They then asked me to go down to Jakarta, Indonesia. So I, was, I, I went down there in 2008. Uh, which was sort of just the beginning of uh, where, the, where the commodity super cycle was about to peak. And, uh, and that was a pretty, pretty cool experience. I ended up being down there for eight years running the Southeast Asian uh, desk for Glencore. And uh, by the middle of 2016, I'd had enough of living on an airplane and uh, trading commodities. And I decided I'm going to resign from that career and, and go do something else. And so I went down, I just moved to New York. I had some friends in New York. I thought it would be fun to go down there and, um, uh, and, uh, and look to buy a business or start a business. I wasn't quite sure, but, uh, uh, but, but, you know, I was going to a bunch of trade shows and a bunch of conferences and just trying to figure out what kind of, what grabbed my attention. And, um, you know, I, I met a guy who was running this, you know, $10 million Amazon business and, um, with him and like a couple of virtual assistants. And I thought that's pretty interesting. Like, and it was an Amazon business. And I was always fascinated by e-commerce because I just, you know, like from a macro perspective, there was, you know, I could just see that there was nothing. It was so obvious that e-commerce was going to continue to grow. I mean, there was just no way it could go backwards because the shopping experience was so, so much superior to brick and mortar. So I always liked e-commerce. And then this Amazon thing really piqued my interest. Um, uh, and uh, because, you know, in my previous year, I'd never even purchased anything off Amazon until I got to the US, right? right I didn't have it in right. Indonesia or, yeah. or, or at the time in Australia or anywhere else I'd lived. So, uh, so anyway, I went to an Amazon conference and I found what was really interesting to me was there were a bunch of sellers. Uh, they were, I mean, I realized it was this highly, highly fragmented market um, with, thousands, with hundreds of thousands of these third party sellers. Um, you know, and you would describe them as like, I guess, mom and pop, like it wasn't like super sophisticated PE or M&A money uh, in, in those days. Right. And um, I thought that was interesting because there were a lot of these guys running really successful businesses and yet there wasn't a lot of sophisticated capital yet in the space. So I could, like it felt to me like that, that was going to come and uh, I liked it. I thought, let me just get started. And I'm not sure what I'm going to do or how the business is going to evolve, but I'm going to start somewhere and then I'm going to just kind of see where it takes me. So I started with, with what I thought was the lowest risk way you could, you, could, you could sell something on Amazon and just test it. And I bought a bunch of uh, shoes. I went to a Marshall's store and I bought a <laughs> bunch of shoes out of Marshall. I bought like literally like a bunch of Nikes. Um, put them up on Amazon and they sold within a matter of like two weeks. I, I think I'm a, 
and with like a 40% ROI. And I went, that's really interesting. Because like, if you could do, figure out how to do that at scale, um, you could build a really big business doing that, right? And, and I went and calculated, well, how many marshals are there around the country? And marshals, <laughs> for those who don't know, is like a discount um, retailer, right? right. Like they, they sell like close out inventory. And, um, and then I went to Nike factory outlets on like a Nike friends and family day. And I went and backed up a truck and like loaded the truck full of Nike stuff and put it on Amazon and it just sold like crazy at like 70% ROI. And so, uh, and so, you know, slowly but surely we started to realize there is really a business to be had here. So we hired 20 people and, uh, you know, bought a bunch of Toyota Sienna minivans 2008 and, you know, would send them the guys out shopping every day and uh, buying shoes and sticking it up on Amazon. And it was a nice little trading hustle. And then over time, um, after doing that for about six months um, and realizing, okay, well, now if I just meet some distributors and wholesalers, I could buy the same amount of inventory as it would take 20 people a week to buy. I could buy that by myself on a spreadsheet, you know, before lunchtime, right? And and so, like, it became far more efficient to do the wholesale approach. And uh, and we did that for about two years, right? You know, our second year in business, I mean, we were doing like 15 million in revenue and pretty, you know, decent profit margin. Uh, and then in 2019, you know, it occurred to us that, you know, owning your own brand is, is what really is, is, is a much more exciting proposition for us. Uh, and so we acquired our first Amazon brand. We actually bought it. Instead of starting, we actually acquired an Amazon brand in, at the end of 2019. And then in, uh, in early 2020, we, we decided we're going to launch a brand and we're going to see how the two strategies compare. So we launched a brand early 2020. Turns out our launch was a huge success and sort of shot the lights out. It was, you know, we did, we did $2 million in three and a half months. Um, and that was a big success. And, uh, and you know, and, and so then we decided, okay, well, let's get much more focused on this private label thing versus... Uh, versus the you know the reselling business that we thought that would make more sense. So we we started pivoting and focusing our attention towards the private label, and we acquired several more businesses in the second half of 2020. Um, and then, as you pointed out, we you know we raised uh, a, a much bigger chunk of capital, 55 million dollars, which uh, which uh, you know some of that was debt, some of that was equity, uh, and uh, you know uh, and and you know now we've got about 60 people on the team. Uh, we've got uh, we've got about 20 brands, uh, and you know we're growing pretty fast at this point, and um, that's what we're doing. Well, well, look, a lot of exciting things there to unpack. Uh, first of what you know, as the aggregator space has grown, right? You've got the Thrasios, the Branded's, and all these guys. I mean, there's been about two, three billion dollars worth of capital roughly raised here. What 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 sets Elevate apart? What makes you guys different? You know, what are you guys doing to innovate in the space to, to attract a lot of these brands? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, look, I mean, the first thing that, that the first thing is that we're actually sellers. Like we started out as sellers. Right. Um, as far as we know, we're the oldest, we're the oldest company of, of, of the companies that are buying other Amazon businesses or aggregators. We're, we've been operating on Amazon longer than any of them. Right. Um, and so like that gives us really strong sort of operational expertise. You know, we've had our Amazon account shut down three times and, you know, we've, we've got all the scars and we've been dragged through the mud <laughs> sure. by Amazon and you know, the whole story, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you've been around for long enough, you've, you've probably had a few, a few horror stories on Amazon. So, so we've had all of those experiences um, and are stronger for it, I suppose. And, um, 
So because we're sellers, we also relate very much to, to other sellers. So if someone wants to sell their business, um, we take a very sort of gentle approach to it. I mean, like we're, we understand that this is someone's baby, right? There's a very, very strong emotional connection that people have to their business. And, um, and because we're sellers and we've been there, we know what questions to ask. We know what they're looking for. And, and we're very good stewards of the brand, right? And so, um, you know, we've got a great track record. It's another thing that we can point to where we can say, you know, we're not just ex-Wall Street guys who came with a bunch of money and decided right. to start buying Amazon businesses. Like we've been in the trenches. We understand the game inside and out. We've been to all the Amazon conferences. We know many of the people, the, the, the guys in the space, done all the courses, right? And so uh, we're good stewards and, and, and we've got a good track record at growing these businesses uh, post-acquisition. Um, and we, we take a very sort of open and transparent and friendly approach to it. And there's no pressure sales. And, you know, we, we like to say, you know, sharks belong in the ocean, not in the deal room. Right. And so, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, there's more than enough opportunity. And if someone wants to just chat with us, we love to chat. If someone wants to sell the business. Great. If they want to sell, sell the business to someone else. That's okay. Uh, we, you know, we want to be good stewards and, and good partners and, um, uh, and, uh, you know, and, and then the and then the last piece in terms of what what makes us we think uh, differentiated is, you know, we have world class branding people on our team now. So, so um, you know, there's it's one thing to operate the to operate these businesses. We're applying. I mean, our CMO, uh, Chief Marketing Officer, is a world class branding person who who actually did not come from the Amazon world at all. Right. Uh, and so we're taking some of these brands off of Amazon, building a community marketing them off, off Amazon, Shopify and Facebook and whatnot and, and building community and building real brands. Not every brand is like that, but a bunch of them are and, um, and we're pretty proud of that fact. And uh, so, yeah, so, I mean, that's, you know, we're doing some pretty, some pretty cool and, and, and fun stuff. Well, with, with those deals, like when you're talking to sellers, because, you know, it's great that you actually provide some insights, whether they do a deal or not. Have you, when you've acquired some of these, have you ever brought that talent in-house? Like, have you brought those sellers on to work at Elevate or yeah, stay on yeah, with the had, business? We've had a, I mean, we've had a, we've had a handful of people who've come and joined us. The vast majority of sellers um, have preferred not to join, right? So it's entrepreneurs who've just preferred to, you know, what's interesting actually is the thing, the trend that I've noticed in the last sort of three or four months, more so than when we first started, was every single seller. I mean, we, for example, we bought three businesses just last week. And so every business we bought in the last three months, I've noticed that um, almost without fail, every seller is saying, well, when you ask them, what are you going to do with, what are you going to do with the money? They're going straight back into start another Amazon business, right. which I think is kind of interesting. So um, it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's an exciting time. And if you're an Amazon seller, it's, it's a great time to be, to be in the game. No, absolutely. And, and with your kind of scale, right? So if you're managing 20, 30, 40 businesses, what do you find some of the challenges to scale? Like, is it inventory, right? In terms of purchasing inventory, sourcing, do you have your own factories now? You're scaling supply chain. Do you have your own fulfillment? Curious to talk operationally, like how yeah. you're scaling the business. Yeah, so um, it's a good question. You know, the, the bottleneck shifts. What you notice is as you grow your business, the bottleneck is constantly like moving, right? Right. So like, you know, first it's, First, it's, uh, it's people. So you got to go really focus on like getting people. And then as when you get enough people, you realize, hang on a second, we need more process and systems here because all these people are involved and we need some structure. So then you go work on the structure and then you realize, hang on a second, now it's supply chain because now like 
you know, the supply chain and, and, and probably the most complicated piece of this business is actually the supply chain. When you're, when you're buying businesses at scale, some of them have their own three PLs and some of them have these, you know, uh, some, you know, they just have very different ways of doing supply chain. And um, because for the most part on Amazon, it's pretty standardized, but, but, but the supply chain tends not to be as standardized. So, so that's a big challenge. And we've just hired, um, uh, a guy, Muzi Palmieri is the ex Lenovo head of supply chain there. And so, you know, a serious veteran of the of the game, and um, and he's coming in and, and helping us, uh, so we can really kind of scale much faster. Uh, and uh, you know, you know, otherwise it's just a question of like constantly just like iterating and improving every little piece and of the of of you know, and, and just pulling those levers such that you can grow those brands and trying to do that as efficiently as possible. You know, these are as your viewers uh, would know that these are not. Uh, these are not operationally simple businesses to run at scale. Right. And, and you, really, you really require strong operational chops to, to, to do this at scale efficiently and grow the businesses, right? So. Yeah, well, we're, we're more similar uh, than you think in the sense that we actually started our business as sellers, right? Yeah. In the distribution side of the business, we scaled it like you, 25, 30 million. And then we decided to pivot to more where there was more of a need we felt to help people manage their businesses on the platform. Because like you said, accounts getting suspended, listings getting taken down, best practices, media buying, everyone was looking for magic hacks and magic bullets to do things. And you didn't realize that at the end of the day to be successful is just do it better than everybody else the right way. So yes, a hundred percent. You know, there's a there's a there's a Rockefeller quote uh, that I that I re-looked at the other day, and it was something to the I, I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was something to the effect of, you know, success comes from doing common things uncommonly well. You know, like most people in the industry know what the tricks are, like know what the things to do are, right? Like we right. know what it is, we know how to do it, but but it's it's just doing them a little bit better than everyone else, right? And just and just finding a way to just just optimize each thing a little bit better and making those incremental improvements. That's kind of what over time compounded. That's what sets people apart. No, I couldn't, couldn't agree with you more. I, again, it, it comes down to execution as much as it does uh, all the strategy and all the process, but execution is what's going to set you apart on the, on the hundred percent. What, what about international? Do you guys do much Amazon international business or is it? Yeah. So Europe. Yeah, we do. I mean, um, Amazon Canada and Mexico is something we've been doing for a little while. Yep. Uh, Europe is something we've now uh, started doing as well. Uh, we're not yet in in Japan, which is which hopefully will come soon. Australia, we already have some operation in Australia, so yeah, we are doing we are doing uh, international, and we expect that that will continue to grow uh, over time. Well, uh, in terms of like just the current state of e-commerce, right, and marketplaces, how does Elevate view? the the status itself i mean is amazon still going to be the target acquisition model are we going after shopify walmart other platforms or just strictly amazon for now it's amazon right, right. Uh, over time we think that will that will evolve uh but for now you know it's like it's like ray dalio likes to say you can do anything you want in the world you just can't do everything right, right? and so you know you can do whatever you want you just can't do it all so yeah. you've got to pick something yeah. and do that really well. And so we've decided we're going to focus on Amazon, do that really well. We take some of the businesses we buy off of Amazon. So we go and we go and, you know, we take a business that's on Amazon, we put it on Shopify and we do, we do other stuff. But in terms of acquisition, you know, we're, I mean, we have some businesses that are doing some non Amazon business, 
but typically our businesses are doing above 70% Amazon and then maybe there's some 30% Shopify, Walmart, you know, et cetera. So you are going like bricks and mortar retail, like you developed the brand out and you'll take them offline as well? Yeah, that's right. Got it. Okay. What, uh, what do you think makes a great prospect for you guys in your deal flow? Like, what do you look for when you're looking at Amazon sellers? How are you prospecting, you know, the yeah. gold mine that has 450 million SKUs on Amazon today? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, so, you know, the first thing it comes down to is like a great product. So um, that, that to us is the most important thing. It's just a really great quality product. And, and so typically that means like good reviews, right? So it means high star reviews, high rating, and also, uh, you know, a high number of reviews ideally, right? And, and we prefer it if a business has a review moat of some sort. And right. although that's not always critical, we just, that's our preference. Um, you know, typically these days, I mean, when we started off, I mean, we started very small. Our first Amazon acquisition was like $300,000 acquisition, right? Um, now we're buying much, much, much bigger businesses and kind of the, the smallest business we'll buy today is probably sort of a million dollars of revenue um, there or thereabout, probably the smallest today. Um, and, uh, uh, and so that's important. You know, at the end of the day, I mean, we have a whole list of criteria we look for, but at the end of the day, it's sustainability uh, of earnings. Like we just want to look at a business and we want to get comfort that this business is still going to be successful in three or four or five years time. We're not interested in something that got a sugar hit from COVID or a fad product. We want something that's sustainable. And then of course uh, we also score it if, it. if it has upside potential where we think we can improve it and uh, optimize it and grow it and take it to other channels. If we think that if we have strong conviction over that, we'll give it a higher score as well. And so, yeah, that's how we, that's how we do that. So, and sticking on that topic, how are your deal structures kind of structure? Like what is the typical, is it of a multiple of EBITDA of revenue? Do you, are you seeing certain average of multiples now come out in the marketplace? Yeah. I mean, it's about, look, it's about, uh, I mean, it's a multiple of EBITDA. Uh, you know, the average business today is probably, we typically, the way we structure typically there's an upfront component and then there's like an earnout component. So maybe it'll be 70% upfront and the upfront average multiple is probably three and a half times EBITDA. Right. Um, Depending on the size of the business, depending on the category, depending on a whole bunch of different factors, that's a broad average. Some businesses are two times EBITDA, some businesses are, but I mean, that's, that's probably the average, um, three, three and a half times. And then there's an earnout component uh, as well. And so like, when you take into account the earnout component, as well as the upfront, you know, it could end up being five, six times. All wow. in. Well, uh, provided you, ever- you grow the business. Yeah. Do you guys ever just like do partial investment and say, Hey, you know, but with like a caveat, there's gotta be a full sellout later down the road where the seller's still running the business. You know, we're open to it. We haven't yet done it, Got but it. we're open to it. So, yeah, I mean, if, if, if a seller felt strongly that they want, you know, most sellers are happy because they have an earnout component. Yeah. And so that earnout can also be, it could be 30%, 20%, 10%, 40%, you know, the earnout can increase 50%. And so the seller gets upside that way. Uh, but if someone felt strongly that they didn't want to sell the whole business, anyone like we're open to that and we're pretty flexible. Are, are you seeing any sort of pattern as to why someone wants to sell or, you know, why most of these sellers are selling other than, Hey, I'm going to sell and then start another business. But are there any other like trends? I mean, that's the, yeah, I mean listen, there's, there's always a million reasons why someone sells. Right. They're tired. You know, they're, I mean, they, they had broke up with their partner. I mean, there's always a million reasons, but, the most common reason we're seeing at the moment is someone goes, 
great. Like the multiple has gone up a little in the last 12 months. I just came off a COVID run, you know, so I got an, a nice kick in my sales. Uh, you know, I mean, let's just say, for example, a business is doing a million dollars of, of, of revenue, right? Mm -hmm. That seller may be doing $250,000 of EBITDA, let's say, right? Well, if you're doing 250 of EBITDA, typically you're not taking 250 home, right? Because you're reinvesting a bunch of that sure. into the business, right? And put taxes aside for a second. You're reinvesting it to grow. So maybe you're taking 100 grand for yourself, 80 grand. Well, if, if you can take, if you can now go sell that business and you can sell it for four times, right? Now that's a million dollars. So it's, it's 10 years worth of earnings for you. So that's a pretty value. That's a really, that's a strong value proposition for a, for a seller. Uh, so we're seeing a lot of, uh, uh, you know, guys and girls coming to the market and saying, this is a great time. You know, my brand is doing great. Who knows what the future holds? Let me get an exit. Let me get out. Um, and I'll take, I'll take my million dollars and I'll put 50% into an investment property and a bunch of other stuff. And then I'll go and reinvest into another Amazon business and do it again. You know, right. so. Yeah. yeah. And, and as far as with, you know, the, uh, the ton of different companies now coming into the space, are you finding it uh, more difficult to get deal flow? Is it, is it easier or more people now open to sell? Like how, how are things trending in the space given the competition that's ramping up? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty competitive now. Uh, um, it has become pretty competitive. Um, at the same time, we're getting more referrals than ever. So, you know, a lot of, a lot of the sellers who have sold their business to us, uh, you know, when they have a friend, because they're typically, if you're a seller, you're plugged into other sellers in the industry. And so um, we found that sellers have been referring us their friends. Their friends are then coming and selling the business to us. Right. Uh, or someone, you know, hears us on a podcast and comes and chats to us. So, uh, we're, uh, we've got a pretty, we've got a pretty strong pipeline of, of acquisition opportunities at the moment. And, um, hopefully it'll stay that way. Um, but you know, it's a, it's interesting because the number of, the number of, of people wanting to buy businesses is increasing, but the number of sellers is also increasing. So there's this right. supply demand that seems to be somewhat balanced at the moment. I don't know which one's going to outpace the other, but you know, the Amazon third-party marketplace is $300 billion today. Um, and you know, most forecast that it's going to go to 500 billion within the next five years, right? And we right. think it'll get to a trillion dollars within the next 10 years. So, you know, with, with more, I mean, that bring all that demand brings more sellers and all the sellers bring more buyers and the buyers bring more sellers. And so it's this very beautiful, virtuous flywheel cycle that's, that, that Amazon has working so well for it. But do you think because of that, and you and I have experienced this in our past life in terms of accounts getting shut down, things like that, and Amazon really owning your business in a sense, do you think there's a threat to the business model a little bit just because, because of that, like Amazon really having that much control over a lot of what, you know, what these accounts do? Yeah. I mean, we're pretty comfortable with the risk. I mean, this was one of the very, uh, when we started our business, this was one of the biggest concerns we used to have. Right. Right. Uh, and the way we look at it today is we just can't see any scenario, but I mean, let's break it down. We can't see a scenario by which Amazon third-party marketplace disappears. It's been the core to the strategy. Oh, you sure. know, Bezos since 97 has been talking about the everything store, uh, huge variety, low prices. There's no way Amazon themselves could hire enough people to go and put 450 million products on the platform. There's no, there's no way. So they need third-party sellers if you want to be the everything store with low prices. 
And the third-party marketplace happens to be one of the most profitable business units. So there's no logical, uh, rational explanation for why they would kill the third-party marketplace. So then you have to say, okay, well, what would they kill your business? <clears throat> and our experience is we've had our account shut down three times and three times we've got our account reinstated because we always play by the rules. If you break the rules and you do something dodgy and you sell counterfeit or you do black hat or you get fake reviews and you get shut down, okay, don't be surprised. Right. But if you do everything by the book and you do everything by the rules, uh, even if you get shut down, you know, you're, you're, you're pretty much likely to get, I've, I've rarely heard of someone who couldn't get back up if they did everything by the book. Right. Uh, so our view is, uh, it's, you know, and also our business is well diversified. So, you know, we're even less concerned because even if one account, God forbid, got shut down, well, right. you, know, you got others. Yeah, no, absolutely. What, uh, uh, you know, just of all the brands that you've acquired, right, and the deals and stuff, and you and I talked about this before we started recording, is there any company like product that you use in your everyday life? Like that's your favorite <laughs> or you don't have to say the brand, but just like- We sell- you know, is it a spatula? Is it a is it kind of like? Do you guys have any? Do you guys have Trader Joe's out there? So of you know, yes, yes. Yeah, so you know, you, you know, you've got uh, everything but the bagel. You know that everything but the bagel yeah. means. Yeah, yeah. We yeah. bought a business yeah. that sells everything, everything bagel seasoning. It's the oh, same. Wow. It's very similar to the Trader Joe stuff. So we bought a business that sells that, and I use that. You know, I put that on my eggs for breakfast every day, pretty much. So, <laughs> so it's a great product. <laughs> That's fantastic. What uh, what would you say in terms of internally at Elevate, right? The team you're building, um, would you say like operationally, you guys have scaled nicely? Do you think media buying is where you guys excel? What do you think the best value add or what's driven the most growth for the brands that you brought on, right? Because I know some yeah. of the other aggregators, they'll tout, hey, we grow a brand 150% in 12 months or whatever it is. So can you talk a little bit about the success you've had with the operations growing a brand? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, there's there's no one single thing. I mean, honestly, I mean, we've the thing we're most proud of is our culture, right? I mean, we've we've got an amazing team um, where it's super like performance driven. So we've got everyone who's really hungry, but also like highly, highly collaborative, and friendly, and kind, and and genuine. And so we've got this very special, magical thing happening at the moment where, um, you know, we're just very proud of the culture. Everyone's motivated, but also like. Uh, you know, really working together as a team, right? Um, and so like, that's, that's important. But in terms of like levers that you can pull to optimize, it really depends on the brand. I mean, we have a playbook of hundreds of things you can do to optimize a brand post acquisition. Right. And so we've had some brands, for example, where, you know, you buy the business and the, the seller never experimented with the price for, you know, for the three years that they owned the business. And so, you know, we came in, for example, one of our businesses, and they had 70% market share in a, in a given category. Um, and we thought, well, if you increase the price, you know, there's probably like a, a degree of price inelasticity that you're not going to see much change. We increased the price a little bit, sort of almost doubled our margins. But at the same time, we added new video, new content, new thing, explained it better, infographics. Uh, we also added new SKUs, uh, so size, color variations, uh, and we saw, you know, a massive uptick both from from the, the increase in sales and the increase in margin. Other businesses, it's pure branding and creative. Other businesses, it's just optimizing supply chain. Other businesses, it's the SEO and the PPC. Uh, other businesses, it's just doing a really great job on customer service. So, and and other businesses, a combination. So it really just depends on the business, and we we look at each business on a case by case. 
what's the low hanging fruit? What can we optimize first? Uh, and then we have the sort of 90 day plan, 180 day optimization plan uh, to, you know, to really try and drive growth. So I, I know you're focused uh, primarily on Amazon. Uh, I know we mentioned this earlier. Uh, I'm just curious, you know, as what the future holds for Elevate, uh, eventually branching out from Amazon. What is your take, just you personally, how do you see kind of the retail landscape, the, the evolution of e-commerce as it fits in there, right? COVID has really expedited consumer behavior as it relates to e-commerce across the world. So yeah. I'm, I'm just curious. I mean, that presents a huge opportunity for your business space. How do you see it playing out? Yeah. Look, I think it's, I think the marketplaces are going to continue to dominate, right? In, in right. my view, because, you know, the customer acquisition cost versus lifetime value, the proposition of a marketplace who can acquire a customer and then keep that customer coming back again and again and again, uh, you know, that marketplace can, can, can outspend any direct to consumer side, um, you know, for, for acquiring a customer. So we think the marketplaces will continue to grow. Uh, Amazon is, is, is pretty much where the game is today um, with, you know, close to 40% of e-commerce. I think Walmart is a bit over 5%. Right. Uh, you, know, uh, you know, eBay is, is a little under 5%. I think, I think Walmart just overtook them last year. Yep, and then you've that's got, right. Yep. You know, you've got, you got Wayfair and Best Buy and Target and Costco. You know, you've got some of these other smaller platforms that, that are much smaller, uh, but all growing. And so, you know, we, we hope that they all continue to grow. And then, of course, there's Shopify, which, you know, Shopify um, uh, grew, you know, tremendously. I mean, yeah. 150% growth last year. They're now 40% the size of Amazon. Exactly. Uh, 2019, they were 25% the size of Amazon. So Shopify is gaining a lot of traction too. Um, <clears throat> we just see it as all good things. Cause like we'll go where the, where the customers are. Right. And um, so we're excited by that. I think social shopping is an interesting one too. You know, you know, China, social shopping on China accounts for like $350 billion worth of revenue. And in the U S it was like, I think like 10% of that maybe, and not even. So right. social shopping on Instagram, for example, I think is a pretty interesting trend to watch. Yep. And um, we're not doing a whole bunch on there yet, but we're going to start, but we are paying attention to it. I'm going to start doing more and more stuff over there. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, we're, no, we're pretty excited about it. I mean, you know, e-commerce, there's, there's just no, again, there's no scenario by which I can see, even though e-commerce has grown a decade in the, because e-commerce went from 16% to 27% of retail penetration uh, in the last 12 months. Well, even with that growth, I still can't see any way e-commerce in the next five years is going to be any smaller than, than today. It's going to continue to grow. So we're pretty bullish. Yeah, no, uh, you're, you're spot on with that because WeChat, I think, in China there, and it's just, it's amazing how people are just shopping differently and have already it's adapted. It's, it's funny, I was talking to uh, one of our teammates earlier today, uh, and she made a great uh, analogy, which is everyone keeps saying, okay, Walmart.com is maybe a few years behind Amazon.com and this one's behind that one, but I would say Amazon is probably five or six years behind what China's doing uh, in some scenarios, right? As it re yeah. relates to scale. It's very interesting. And, you know, who knows like whether the, whether the U.S. consumer will, uh, will, have the, will adopt the same sort of shopping habits as the Chinese consumer. Yeah. There are nuances in the way business is done, but, uh, but it does seem like, it does seem like it. I mean, it does seem like it's going to, I mean, they are, the Chinese, it's fascinating. I mean, the Chinese e-commerce market is three times the size of the US. Um, and, 
and they've adopted certain things way fast. I mean, like payments, for example, no one walks around. My brother lived in Shanghai for 10 years. I mean, he never walked around with a wallet for the last several years. Right. Yeah. Well, so, no, everything's done through the app. I mean, it's, it's seamless, but the supply chain and logistics and the last mile delivery that they do across that country is incredible. Um, it's pretty what amazing. Built out. Yeah, it, it's it, pretty is. Amazing. it is fascinating. It is. Agreed. So, so Ryan, look, I, I could talk to you for hours about all this stuff. You've been we really could. generous with your time. I appreciate it. Uh, before I let you go, how can people reach you? Uh, best way is probably uh, via, well, I mean, first of all, LinkedIn, uh, yep. Ryan Neeson, uh, G-N-E-S-I-N. LinkedIn is great. I, I, I always respond there. Or uh, email me, ryan at elevatebrands.io. Perfect. And check out Elevate Brands online. I think you can check out on your website. You have some good information there too. too. Uh, yep. Really appreciate your time. Thanks. Thanks for joining us today, Ryan. Uh, and as always to the rest of our audience, remember to protect your brand and sell more. Thanks very much. Great, great chatting with you. Likewise. Thanks, Ryan. All the best. Thanks.